We're going to continue studying in 1 Peter. And um, I want you, if you would, to open your Bibles. So we're going to start in Leviticus, believe it or not. Starting in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. And then we're going to read a passage from 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. And we'll, we'll start our study tonight. Had the Lord given us a beautiful day today. Amen. Leviticus 11:44 For I am the Lord your God ye have there ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves and ye shall be holy for I am holy neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth Flip over to chapter 19, Leviticus 19, verse 2. Oh, read 1 and 2. Leviticus 19, 1 and 2. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now this, this thought and this teaching and this uh, commandment from the Lord is all through the Bible. We just read two of them. There are several other passages in Leviticus. And then on into the New Testament as we're going to read today. So you can turn to 1 Peter and we're going to pick up on this. We're going to read uh, verses 13 through 17 and try to cover this portion of this uh, the, uh, epistle tonight. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 17. Peter says to the believers, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. And so we're going to talk about this just for a moment tonight, or in our time that we have here tonight. And, you know, in the previous verse, just to remember uh, to remind you about the last lesson that we had last Wednesday night, we spoke uh, in verses 10, 11, and 12 about the salvation which the prophets had inquired into. And they, they saw little bits and pieces, and they, they wanted to see it. All and they only saw little glimpses of the first coming of Christ, right? They knew in part, they didn't see the whole thing, um, but the angels desired to look into it. And it says that this salvation in verse 12 it says, Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, this is speaking of those prophets, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported among you by them that have preached the gospel unto you. And, and, unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. In light of that, in light of the fact that this salvation is, is huge, I guess is what he's saying. The prophets prophesied for all these years. The angels desire to look into it and see. They wanted to see it all themselves. It's, and then Christ came and that was a fulfillment of God's promises. The gospel message was complete because Christ did what He had to do. 
He came and fulfilled all the prophecies, did exactly what He said He was going to do, and rose again from the dead like we celebrated last, last Sunday. And, and this is because of this, because of the fulfillment of all this. It says, now gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And so the call, and we're going to go back over some of this, but the call is a call of holiness. I mean, the being sober in the mind and girding up the loins of our mind and so forth, all and be it as obedient children, all of that is an appeal to the manner of people that we are to be in Jesus Christ. All of it is an appeal to holiness. And so it's not just some abstract thing. The Lord says, be you holy as I am holy, and be you holy for I am holy. As He which has called you is holy. As He is. Okay, so if we wondered what holiness was, all we have to do is look at Jesus, and we all. And if we wonder what holiness is lived out in flesh, how does that really? What does holiness look like? It's almost like you could picture holiness like when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. You know, it's like angelic beings and and bright light and the God sitting on the throne who's just magnificent beyond description. But how does holiness look in the life of a human being? Okay, how is it uh, played out day to day or lived out day to day? We all we have to do is look at the life of Jesus Christ, his teachings, his actions, his words, his thoughts, his reactions when he was buffeted for things he didn't even do wrong. Uh, how did he live? What was his relationship with his father? What was his relationship to people and to man? And so, uh, this is an, a call or an appeal from the Lord all through the Bible. To be holy. <clears throat> this is not something, as I've said, we, remember we did our series on sanctification, like uh, positional sanctification. Who we are is being justified in Christ, by Christ, robed in His righteousness, and being holy in our standing before the Lord. And then we looked at practical holiness for two weeks about uh, how do we walk this out. You know, really day to day, besides me being accepted in the Lord and washed in His blood and clean, justified, uh, righteous, righteousness that we receive by faith, besides that, now what? How does that look? You know, how do we live that out? And so, this is more about what we're talking about today. Uh, the appeal is to holiness, the cry for holiness is throughout the Bible. Uh, Old Testament and New Testament, and if we're if we're if we are the offspring of God, so to speak, we're the children of God by faith, right? Not just created by God, because even lost men are created by God. But if we're born again of His Spirit, we're of the Lord, right? Uh, then we're not going to. It would be crazy to think that we're going to be born of God but not resemble the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? In our character, in our speech. And I always think about this. You know, Jesus on the cross, when He was being um, ridiculed and mocked and really blasphemous things that were being spoken besides the physical pain, and He says, forgive them, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. Alright, well, we see a glimpse of the holiness of God. We see a glimpse of His person, His character, His nature. And so then we see with Stephen being stoned just for preaching the Gospel. He wasn't even one of the twelve disciples or apostles. He wasn't one of the heads of the church at Jerusalem. 
He was a layman who was holy and filled with the Holy Ghost and wisdom, knew God, and he was preaching the Word of God. And they picked up stones and began to stone him. And he said, Lord, forgive them. Don't lay this sin to their, to their account, basically. We see that same nature of Christ. It wasn't him trying to mimic the Lord. It was what the Lord was making him and who he was in him. And so the holiness, y'all, we don't even have to define it. I mean, we have defined it before. It's morally pure. Okay, in this sense, we're talking about morally pure. When you talk about holiness, you cannot ascribe that to anyone but God. And then those in whom he lives and those that he's, you know, his holy word, for example. He is holy. And then he saves a man by faith or a woman. And he comes, his Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, and he begins to do this same, produce this same holiness in our lives. Okay? But it's wrong to just speak of, of you know, something in life that's just carnal or a person separated from the Lord as being holy. Because that literally belongs to the Lord. And we, uh, William was singing that song about uh, worthy is the Lamb, holy, holy is He. And it belongs to the Lord. And so we should and we will resemble the holy God that has saved us. That is a working of God by His Spirit. It starts at the new birth. It doesn't start before then. A lot of things might lead up to you coming to Christ, but it's as you are you surrender to the Lord and by faith are born again of His Spirit that He begins to do this work in your life. Everything basically in the New Testament, everything, all the epistles, everything that God's given us, the Holy Spirit, His grace, the commandments, the instructions, the body of Christ, everything is to resemble Him and to bring us to that place where we are holy. We are being conformed to the image of God's Son. And His Son is holy. He committed no sin. Neither was God found in His mouth. He was holy in His nature and His character. And He lived it out as a human being. Still God, but still man. There's a mystery there. But uh, it's a property of God alone. It's one of His attributes. Who is like unto Thee, O Lord? This is from an Exodus. Glorious in holiness. Fearful in praises. Doing wonders. Who's like You? And this is what's uh, spoken of uh, when, they, when the children of Israel, I believe, when they crossed the Red Sea and they're singing their song to the Lord. And they're looking back after the Egyptians were drowned in the, in the sea. Uh, and so He Himself is holy. When He says, I am holy, we certainly can't challenge Him and say, no, I don't think You are. He is, he is God, uncreated, and He's holy. And the next thing we want to look at is the fact that this holiness is possible for us. It would be impossible apart from the Lord, but evidently, we see in the Bible that the Lord calls us to be holy, right? Many times. We read three, two in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament just here today, where the Lord has called us to that. I'll give you another one from 1 Thessalonians 4.7 if you're taking notes. God has not called us to uncleanness, but to holiness. God has not called us to uncleanness, but to holiness. It is a holy call. We're called holy brethren. And, and uh, it is evidently within our reach 
God would not call us to heights that we could not attain to. Alright? And we could be discouraged or frustrated into thinking that apart from the Lord, it would be beyond us. Just like going to heaven would be beyond us without the Lord. People are going to all going to try to climb up some other way or go meet some guru on the top of a mountain or go into a teepee in a sweat lodge and they're going to try to have their minds altered somehow try to reach nirvana or reach paradise or reach one with God or something like that. It's only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. This simple yet powerful saving gospel. That's the only way. And so a call to holiness is for those that have come to Christ and He would not call us to reach these heights or to reach for these heights of holiness if it were impossible for us to do so. That would be cruel. That would be very frustrating to us. We'd be continually frustrated. Now I get frustrated sometimes in my walk with the Lord. I sometimes get frustrated in myself and my failure to... uh, consistently you know walk in the things of God and have to ask God to forgive me but it's not a frustrating walk in general it's not frustrating to live for God and with God because there's always hope and and I could just go to one scripture Philippians 4:13 you probably can quote it right I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me would that include this absolutely faithful is he who calleth thee who also will do it 1 Thessalonians 5:24 the one who called you to holiness, he's faithful. And he's going to do it. And so, we need to encourage ourselves from the Word of God. That's where we're meeting together tonight. Come to study His Word together and to worship Him. Don't be discouraged that you're called to holiness. Say, we ought to just be amazed. that Because we know the sins we've committed. B.C., before we came to Christ, and the life we lived, and the self that we live for ourselves, and, and the things we've done and the sins we've committed since we've been saved. And yet, He's still moving us upward and onward and upward and onward and upward and onward. We are being moved from glory to glory. He is bringing us along. And the finished thing, as we've said before, the finished product is going to be Christ-like in character, nature, conduct, in our hearts. We're going to love what He loves, hate what He hates. This is holiness. It's being like Jesus. And, and uh, the Lord is prepared to do in us all that's necessary to get us there. The Lord didn't like get partway down this road and say, I don't think I can do it now. I don't think I can make Peter holy. I just can't. I could save him, but I really should have thought this out better. I can't make him holy. Obviously, the Lord can do that. He can do that in my life and in your life. In the vilest sinner, which we all are, Compared to Jesus, we're all the vilest sinners. Amen? And He can take us and wash us and forgive us and make us new and robe us in the righteousness of Christ. And it says, He he who hath begun. So He started it. He began a good work in us. He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks a lot about the day of Jesus Christ His appearing. I believe that's the rapture we talk about in this passage tonight. It's all going until that time. That's when it's going to be finished. Between here and there, we walk with the Lord. We walk with the Lord just like the Bible says. We get up every day and we say, give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to be quick to forgive others. You know, understand what I'm saying? We just get up and walk with God day by day. I don't try to make myself holy. I try to keep my eyes on the Lord by faith. 
And as he points something out in my life, it says, Randy, you're prideful. Randy, you're fearful. Randy, you're lazy. Randy, you're this. Randy, you're neglecting my word. Uh, whatever it may, you're rude. You're, you're not gentle. You're, you know what I mean? You're harsh. Whatever he shows me, then I just fall on my knees before the Lord and say, God, you're right. It's in me. It's part of this carnal nature. It's not part of Christ's nature. Would you forgive me of that sin? And I'm dependent upon you to make me gentle. It's a fruit of your spirit. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's it's a work of the Lord, but it comes as we just walk faithfully with God every day. If we put God in our rearview mirror somewhere or push him off to the side for half of our day and then then maybe we think of him right before we go to bed, that's not the kind of life that's going to be leading to holiness. Our whole life. You know, the Bible says that even the uh, the horses in the, under the Levitical priesthood, they're going to have some kind of little bells on them in holiness to the Lord. The priestly garments on the fringes had little bells on them. And it was all to signify holiness to the Lord. That means wherever those priests walked, into their home, into the temple, making a sacrifice before the people, going to bed at night, going to wash up, uh, doing the most common everyday things. Wherever they were, it was holiness to the Lord. And that's really the picture there that I believe is given, you know, why that's given to us. Because that man was dedicated to the Lord. Privately, publicly, doing his religious duties, just being at home. He's God's all the time. He belongs to the Lord all the time. And y'all, we need to understand that too. If we're going to make any progress in our personal holiness, yes, it's God working in us. But I need to understand that uh, I am dedicated to the Lord and and I need to be conscious and aware of that all the time. It's easy when we're here together like this. When you go to work, when you go to school and there's lots of people around you, when you're by yourself and maybe tempted to look at something on the television or whatever it may be, that's not of the Lord. But all the time, the Holy Ghost lives inside of us. And so if I'm going to be growing in the Lord, I need to understand that. I need to be aware that it's holiness, holiness unto the Lord all the time. Okay? It's, and the Bible says in First Peter, what we just read, in verse 15, as He which has called you is holy, so be ye holy how in all manner of conversation. One of the translations says, in all manner of living. Okay? In all manner of living. That's really what that means. Conversation. I know we've talked about it before. Conversation includes our speech. You know, we think of having a conversation just talking to someone. It would certainly include that. But it means your lifestyle our behavior, our conduct, our countenance. You know what I mean? What we look at, what we turn away from. Everything in all manner of living. And so that is the call because the the Lord is making us that. Okay? And, And we're dedicated to the Lord. Holiness at every turn, one man said, wherever we turn. And there's only one way of becoming holy as God is holy and it's very obvious and it's and it's the fact that we need to open our entire selves up to the Lord. We cannot have a religious Christian self and then another self that 
you know, it's like I'll, I'll do the, the God thing and the Christian thing here, but then later, this is the me time, or this is me and my friend's time, this is my whatever time. It can't be that way. It's all or nothing. Jesus died, okay? Breathed His last breath, said it's finished, and gave up the ghost. He died so that we might live. We're crucified with Christ. That's our death, identifying with His death. When we come to Him by faith, so that He might live through us fully. And so the only way we're going to grow and progress in this uh, is to is we're going to grow to the extent, and I'm reading one a quote from, from uh, F.B. Meyer, says, we are holy up to the measure in which we are possessed by the Lord. God has to possess our soul, and our soul has to possess God. You know what I mean? We have to desire Him above all, want Him above all, not in a mixture of God and other things, even good things. It has to be the Lord, first and foremost. And I say it all the time, but if we'll put God first, really first, in everything, not just our church life, not just when I have a prayer time with my children or whatever, but put Him first in everything. And then He will take care of the rest. He will take care of me being the husband I should be, the father I should be, the pastor I should be, the employee, the employer, whatever I should be. He'll, the friend, he'll, he'll take care of all the rest of it if we will do that. And a man is, is going to be as holy to the, uh, to the extent that he is fully surrendered to the Lord and letting God have all of him. That's to the extent that we're going to be holy. Okay? The holiest man is the one who yields himself most completely to be influenced, swayed, possessed, inspired by the Spirit who longs to make us, the Holy Spirit, who longs to make us the fullest uh, partaker of this divine nature. Okay? If you want to be holier than you are, and I pray we all do, want to be holier than we are, then it's going to come as we surrender more and more. And there's all through life, y'all, every day, even today, there's some little rub. There's some little rub between the holy calling of God upon your life and what you want to do. It might be the littlest thing. You know, it might be fine-tuned down to where now it's little things. But they're still there. Okay? Between the holy call of God doesn't change. It's just right straight down the line. Holy. Okay? like Christ. And then He gives us pictures all through the Scriptures and the epistles and everything. And then here's my life, but I really want to do this. I feel justified in doing this. They did me wrong. I want to do them just a little bit wrong. You know, maybe not as bad as they did me wrong. I want to do, I feel justified in that. But thus saith the Lord, He just straightens that out. What am I going to yield to? Who am I going to yield to? So that's to, to the extent that we're holy. I remember reading a book by Tozer one time. He says, every man... Is, is as holy as he wants to be. And he said, every man has as much of God as he wants to have. And I believe that. I believe it's up to us because the Lord doesn't sleep or slumber. He's working in our lives all the time. The, the, the drawback or the hindrance or the, the thing, the delay, so to speak, is going to be my yieldedness to the Lord in everything. You know, when you got saved, 
when I got saved, and I, some things just real quickly probably fell off your life. Sinful <coughs> things, you know, habits and behavior. Some of them just boom. Day you got saved, they just dropped right off. Some other ones hung on. Could be friends that weren't godly friends, but you couldn't let go of them. You know what I'm saying? It could have been music that you listened to. It could have been an arrogant attitude. It could have been something. I don't know what it was. But all of us, some things just clearly, instantly are knocked off from our lives. We have no desire for them. We don't go back to them. We don't wrestle with them anymore. Some things we wrestle with for years, for a longer period of time. And then we deal with those, and God deals with those. And we think, all right, I've got them all done. I've got all those things out of my life. And then he shows you, you're not like my son here. You know, there's further that I want to bring you. You're really not as selfless as you think. You really care a lot about yourself. Way more than you care about other people. You know, you've made some progress here, but you're a long way from where you need to be. Don't be frustrated with that. You come before the Lord, as I said, and yield to Him. That is ongoing. That will never stop. It didn't stop with Tozer. It didn't stop with Moses. It didn't stop with anybody. Until we see the Lord. When we see Him, we'll be like Him. For we'll see Him as He is. But until that day, we are being made to His image. We can hasten that, though, y'all. We've talked about that before. We can hasten that by the way that our speed, I guess you would say, in yielding to the Lord. And the completeness, as soon as He does show me something, maybe I'm in ignorance on some things and I don't realize I'm sinning in this area. You know what I mean? I'm just ignorant of it. I don't detect it in myself. That's why we go before the Lord in prayer continually. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. See if there be any <coughs> wicked way in me. Examine yourselves, Paul says in the New Testament. And so, as we're going with the Lord, then He shows me. But as soon as He does put His finger on something... That's, that's to me where the that's where it becomes my responsibility. I was unaware of it before. And then the Lord revealed it to me. What do you do when the Lord does reveal it to you? Are you going to be argumentative and fight back? What if your spouse or your friend or somebody points out something in, in your life? It's, you're a Christian they're a Christian. And they're wanting to help you. And they point out something in your life that's not Christ-like. Hopefully they do it in a, in a kind way, you know? in a spiritually mature way. But nonetheless, they do it. And Paul, what are we going to do? Fight back? I mean, that's the worst thing we could do. To fight back when it comes to something that God is showing us in our life. Why? Because He wants to rid us of it. He wants to help us. He wants to bring us on. And that's going to be the pattern of life for a believer that's walking with Jesus. It's a pattern. It's not unusual. That's the norm. And... And so we just we have to keep yielding to the Lord, yielding to the Lord, and asking the Lord, okay? So don't despair. The Lord is desiring to do this in you. You're not having to twist His arm to purge you, cleanse you, strengthen you, uh, bring more fruit of the Spirit through your life. You don't have to beg Him and try to convince Him to do something He doesn't want to do. I remember Smith Wigglesworth said, God's more willing to answer than we are to ask. And I believe that as well. He's more willing to answer than we are to ask. And so what are some of the characteristics or traits of the, of the holy life of the believer? One of those, if you look back in, your, in 1 Peter, in verse 13, one of that's going to be the attitude of 
I'm passing through. You know how we've talked about that a lot, being strangers and pilgrims as believers? Look at verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. And so I'm sure that you've probably studied this before at some point or heard somebody tell it, but the point of the girding, what does it mean to gird up your loins? Just in a natural sense. Forget the mind part. And the, the attire that Middle Easterners would have worn at this time were the long robes, okay? And that was, that's what they wore. That would have been fine for piddling around the house or things like this, but if they're getting out there to plow a field, if they're getting ready to march to battle, if they're getting ready to fight somebody or wrestle, if they're getting ready to run a race or do something very strenuous where they have to be freed up, they would take those, those robes and they would hike them up a little bit above their knees and then tie them off with a belt or something to where it's not tripping them up. That's all it is. That's all it, is. it would hinder them otherwise. Nothing wrong with the garments they wore, but if, if when, when, they, when you would say to them, gird up your loins, they knew what you meant. We're getting ready to go to battle. We're getting ready to go on a long journey. We're getting ready to get into some physical things that's hard, plowing a field, whatever. And so that's the same uh, picture that's given here. It would be a hindrance. It would hamper them. Now, what things in our life, so relate that to our lives, what things in our lives as Christians, we're already saved, do we have day by day that could hinder us in our race, the race that's set before us, Hebrews 12, right? Run with patience the race that's set before you, looking unto Jesus. What things would hinder us? What things do we need to uh, gird up, so to speak, that they don't hinder us and don't trip us? I'm not here to answer that for you. That's a thought that we think of when we say, gird up the loins of your mind, because uh, we can have things in our life that that hinder us. And y'all, we know it. We do have things. And I've shared it before, but with me, the last one of the last big cords I had to cut to go on and follow Jesus was friends. It was a group of friends that we were such close friends and such buddies. And I had to, to cut that cord very distinctly, very clearly for Jesus, make this break. You know, just go on. And uh, we all have things in our lives like this, maybe smaller things, but things that can hinder us. You know, uh, you know the story, David's son Absalom, okay, who uh, tried to take the throne and the kingdom away from his father. Absalom, the Bible describes him as being very handsome and good looking. He had this big full head of hair. And I forgot it talks about how much it weighed. Every time you get a haircut, they weigh his hair. I mean, there must have been some serious hair that this guy had and it was part of his uh, you know beauty and being handsome and everything this hair that he had well that was nice and wonderful but this beautiful hair but when he got in a battle you know the story where he lost his life his head got stuck in a tree he's riding a donkey or a horse or whatever under some tree branches it almost sounds comical but he gets his head caught in a tree branch and he's dangling there and gets stabbed in battle. So what seemed so wonderful and nice and his beauty and everything, it actually was a hindrance, right? In battle, it cost him. And so we have to look for things in our lives and God will show us. He'll show us as we spend time with him. Say, well, God just hadn't shown me anything. I said, well, have you spent time with him? I mean, regularly, heart to heart with the Lord before him in his word and in prayer. 
Because I promise you, He's going to show us all things. Not a person in this room today, or if we're still here 25 years from now, that He's not going to be showing us things regularly in our lives. Okay, Maybe not daily, but regularly and consistently in our lives. He'll show us. We need control. And self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's not sheer human discipline. Okay? It is a fruit of the Spirit. Temperance is what it's called. Right? And so we have to guard our eyes, what we look at, our mouth and tongue, what we say, our minds, what we think about or don't think about. Dave Hunt used to say, we're not a prisoner to our brain. I don't have to think about whatever my brain tells me to think about. I can bring it captive to the obedience of Christ. If I'm worried all the time, I don't have to. I can reel it in. I might have to do it a hundred times a day, but I can do it by the Spirit of God. Okay? And so, uh, because if we don't watch that, then, you know, don't have that self-control, there's going to be things that hinder us. Things that hinder us. And it even can be, quote, good things. They're not always blatantly sinful. They just might be a hindrance to our walk with God. Okay? And we have to be careful of that. The Bible says, keep your heart. Keep thy heart, heart with all diligence. And so, all right, be sober. We hear this word, and that simply means, uh, again, it means self-control or temperance. And it means having a right estimate of yourself. And that's a good thought. I need to think rightly of myself. Doesn't the Bible tell us over and over again that we ought not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to? Well, I've been serving God for a long time, and I've been put in this position, and I'm a pastor, and I'm and look, and everybody, and I've written these books, and look, I went and spoke on this mission trip, and we went to prison and preached. I got to preach, and 25 people got saved. All that is wonderful, and thank the Lord for it. But don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. It's a self uh, thinking soberly in our minds has to do with thinking rightly of ourselves as well. And so, when you read through the New Testament, for example, and it's going to give you the qualifications for a deacon or an elder, right? They need to be sober. Both of them. Deacons have to be sober. Elders, if you're choosing a man, have to be sober. Women and aged men and young men and maidens, all those people, we're told, have to be sober. He's simply saying we all need to be sober. If you're going to teach Sunday school, you need to be sober-minded. You know, whatever it is we're doing, it's the Lord. He's the one that deserves the praise and the adoration, and we're way, way, way away from what He is. We're a long way from what He is. It doesn't mean we're not making progress. It doesn't mean God's not pleased with us or working in us. We're not always like in His disfavor or something like that. It just means we need to see ourselves really in a standard we always compare to as Christ. And if you're praying and seeking the Lord and walking in the Spirit and praying in the Spirit, God's going to show you we're a long way from where we need to be, but take heart. You're a long way from where you need to be, but take heart. He'll always give that hope with it. Always. does not want us to be discouraged by that. Um, and y'all, the, the kingdom of God, we're talking about holiness. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, it says in Romans, but righteousness, joy, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so... The man who's being sober-minded and the man who is really on this pathway to holiness and walk with the Lord, he's going to be walking not uh, rigid and frozen up in a bunch of rules and regulations. 
He'll be walking in the Spirit. He'll be walking in the Word of God. He knows the Word of God. He's not all bound up, afraid to look at his own shadow. He's going to have an innocency about it. He's going to have an innocency about it. Unto the pure, all things are pure. Now, things that are specifically spoken of in Scripture as being sinful, then they're sinful. But the man of God that's walking with the Lord knows that. You understand what I'm saying? You understand the picture of somebody that you would just say is trying to be so holy and afraid to look and do anything because they might make a mistake as opposed to someone who's truly walking with the Lord and being governed by His Spirit and has an innocency about them that's just their nature. It's Christ living through them. I'm dying to myself. And Christ is loving people through me. And I'm not trying to appear very loving today. You know what I'm saying? You can walk into a group of Christians and say, I want to appear very selfish. I want, selfless. I want to appear very uh, uh, loving. I want to appear like I'm, I'm preferring my brother. And so we try really hard to do that. And it's, it's this great effort. At, and I'm not saying there's never effort to it. I'm simply saying that the one who really is walking with the Lord, they're really going to care about other people. And in really caring about other people, they're going to go to help them and they're going to want to pray with them. We're going to want to see how they're doing. It's going to start coming out of them. It's just going to be part of their nature. So the key to me, it's not that we never work on something we do, but the key really overall is that we keep our eyes on the Lord, we stay filled with the Holy Ghost, and we keep walking with Jesus, okay? Keep our eyes upon the Lord. And so um, God helps us. But let's look at this where it says, verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Okay? Fashioning yourselves, I looked that up, it means conforming to another's example. Conforming to another's example. That would be fashioning yourself. So we're not to, as believers now, not to fashion ourselves after the example of the world any longer. We did that. We might have tried to do that, or it might just have come naturally. Okay, but we were just worldlings. We're little worldlings running around before we knew the Lord. Doesn't mean you were a Satan worshiper. Doesn't mean you committed things worthy of Angola. It just means we were of the world. We couldn't be otherwise. We fit in fine with the world. At least the people in the world we wanted to be with. And had no problem with it. We conformed to that image. To our peers. Or to what our peers liked. And how they thought. And things like that. We blended right in. We conformed to that. We got better at that, so to speak. After a while, we, we, we followed the example of another. Maybe not just one person all our lives we wanted to be like, but just in life. You know, this is the way people are living, and so I'm just going to live that way. Right? This is what appeals to me. I want to be like these people. And I want you to keep your spot in First Peter. Return to Romans 6.21. Okay, we know Romans 12. What do we know from the first few verses where it says, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But let's look at Romans 6.21, just this one verse. 
Now he's speaking of believers, and he asks a question, what fruit had ye then, and those things wherewith ye are now ashamed? For in the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin, and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end everlasting life. <clears throat> so he's contracting, contrasting the two lives right there. Look back, he's saying, think about it. When you were lost, what kind of fruit came from that? What really came from that? End of those things are death. You're ashamed of those things now. So why do you want to go back to anything like that? But now, in Christ Jesus, you have your fruit unto holiness. In the end, everlasting life and so forth. And I believe that's what uh, Peter's talking about when he says, don't fashion yourselves after these former lust in your ignorance. What kind of ignorance? We're lost and dead in sin. We didn't know any better. Okay, or maybe we did know better, but we did it anyway. But now we're, we're born again. Now we're walking with the Lord. And y'all, these lusts actually fashioned us. These lustful things that we lusted after in the world, they fashioned us. And, uh, you know, lust is actually, y'all, Lust is actually uh, a natural inclination that's gone wild. It's gone haywire. Okay? Say to eat. God knows we have to eat. Give us this day our daily bread. He provides everything that we need and water to drink and the things that we have. How could a natural inclination become a lust? It's well, you turn to gluttony, and you can't stop eating, and you got to get the best food and the most food, and you can't. And then it passes from being a natural thing, which every human being has, and even to be enjoyed, to becoming something that where my lust is fashioning me instead of me fashioning, you know, being in control, the self-control. So it's a natural inclination going wild, basically. Uh, sleep. The Lord knows we need sleep, but He doesn't want you to sleep all day and be lazy. You know, there, we could list things after things with that. Uh, he wants us to have pleasure, but you know, you can just go. It's where it takes over, and it takes over. So it's a natural inclination going wild, and those lusts will begin begin to fashion us if we don't watch it. We ought to be. We're not following after those things anymore. And so, the one that's but instead, we're in Christ now and we're to be obedient. As obedient children, verse 14, not fashioning yourselves. Obedience. Okay, obedience is not holiness. But obedience uh, is always going to lead to holiness. Does that make sense? Obedience in and of itself is not holiness. Holiness is Christ in me. Holiness is to the measure I'm, the Lord is possessing me and I'm yielding to Him and I'm dead to myself and to the fullness that Christ is living through me. That's holiness because He's holy. So it's Christ in me and the measure of that yieldedness to Him is holiness. But obedience is always going to lead to it. So just obeying uh, certain things. Uh, holiness is the possession of the soul by God, but holiness always leads to obedience. If ye shall indeed obey My voice, Ye shall be a holy nation unto me, the Lord said to Israel. If ye shall indeed obey my voice, then ye shall be a holy nation unto me. And so, uh, forsake. 
anything that begins and ends with self, put it away. I don't care if you think it's horribly sinful or just a little bit sinful or you're questionable and not even sure if it's sinful. If it begins and ends with Randy and that's, that's the whole deal in my life on, and whatever this is, then I need to put that away. Forsake all that begins and ends with self. Don't be satisfied uh, with good intentions and prayers and so forth and desire, but do. That's where the obedience comes in. Do what the Lord's called you to do. Well, I don't feel like it today. Well, do it anyway. Ask God for the want to. But do it anyway. Do it and the want to will come along. Don't wait till you want to before you do it. Do it and ask God to give you the want to because you know it's right. Obedience is always going to lead to holiness. And obedience is always going to lead to the heart that wants to obey more. So if you want to be more obedient, start obeying. Okay? Start obeying what you already know to obey and the desires, God will put that in our hearts. He's not going to reward our disobedience. He's not going to bless our disobedience. He's not going to bless us staying in neutral when He's already told us to go forward. You know, with our prayer time or whatever it may be. Or going to witness to someone or whatever whatever it might be. Obedience in even the the littlest things, y'all. That's where we need to watch it. We're going to be bringing this to an end pretty soon, but obedience in what we consider little things or little trifles or trivial things in life. Oh, at least I'm not committing adultery. At least I'm not committing murder. At least I'm not... You know, I go to church three times a week in Sunday school. But obedience in little things. Uh, I forget which, uh, I think it was Campbell Morgan, G. Campbell Morgan that said, a little thing is a little thing, but obedience in little things is a very big thing. I love that. Little things a little thing, but obedience in little things is a very big thing. It's big to God. And maybe the reason we haven't taken this big step forward because we haven't taken a little step forward. I want to maybe have feel this call of God in your life, and it's real, and it's from the Lord to be a minister of the gospel <coughs> somehow, or you know, something, something like that for the Lord. And yet you haven't, <clears throat> you or I haven't witnessed to the people we see every day at work. And the Lord is impressing that upon our hearts. Or He says, just go hand attract to somebody next time you're in Winn Dixie or Walmart or Sam's or Home Depot. You want to be used mightily by God and I have called you to it. There's a call of God upon your life. But we're stubbing our toe because we can't get out of the gate, so to speak. The Lord's waiting on us. And guess what? He can wait a long time. He'll wait. He's not going to say, okay, forget it. Let's just go on. He's going to bring you to that place or me to that place to do it. And so, uh, it's, it's not just a little thing. Obedience and little things are very important to the Lord, and it is uh, a key ingredient to our holiness. I mean, that is working towards our holiness, right? To be obedient in those things. The obedient soul is the holy soul, penetrated and filled by the presence of God and in glow with His light. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with a few thoughts here. There's a scripture in the Old Testament where, where Moses is speaking, uh, kind of like compiling the commandments of the Lord and bringing them before the whole congregation of Israel. They were close to the promised land. Uh, and he reads the law to them. You know that, that part of the Bible, he goes up on Mount Gerizim and he pronounces all the blessings. If you'll do this, if you'll do this, you know, God's going to uh, 
send the latter rain and he's going to bless your crops and he's going to give you healthy children. Your enemy's going to flee before you and none of these diseases will come upon you. All these things, if you'll do this, 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 and this. Then he comes down the mountain, he goes up on Mount Ebal, and he pronounces all the curses. If you don't do this, if you don't do that, if you intermarry with those pagan idolatrous people, if you do this, this, and forsake the Lord your God and don't keep His commandments, all these curses are going to come upon you. You know what the people said? They said, all that the Lord had said, we will do and be obedient. Now, did they do that? No. Okay. Israel said this and they utterly failed. Okay. And it was to their shame. It was to their... Of course, a few people did. Joshua and Caleb and, and, and a few. But we can say it and mean it by, because of the fact that we're born again. Because of the Holy Spirit in us. I can say, Lord, I'm going to obey you. I want to walk in obedience. I'm setting my course to walk in obedience to you. I'm making a choice. Obedience, disobedience. I'm choosing obedience. Now you're going to have to help me every second and every moment of every day the rest of my life. But I'm still choosing this path. I am going, I am going to walk in obedience. And Lord, you're going to help me because you promised me in your word that you're going to help me. So it is possible by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And y'all, we're going to see the Lord when he talks about uh, we're hoping for this grace in verse 13. Be sober, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I believe very clearly that speaking about the rapture and and where it's all going to be completed. Again and again, we see it set. The trials, the suffering, everything, we see it set in light of this isn't for always. This isn't permanent. The suffering, the striving, the sinning, the failing, the coming short, uh, the temptations, the, you know, all of it. It's all, there's a backdrop behind it all that it's going to come to an end. There is a blessed hope, and it's Jesus. And it's us seeing the Lord face to face. And the last part of our salvation or redemption is to wit the, the, uh, the new bodies that we're going to receive. Creation is going to be restored and freed from sin and the curse of sin. And our bodies at the rapture are going to be uh, like the Lord's body. And so the holy soul realizes this. And so the last scripture... Verse 17, and if you shall call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, believe that's speaking there of the uh, judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat where believers are judged. We did a study in that in Sunday school, right? In the, uh, in the Foundations 2 book. And so that's not the great white throne judgment where you're going to be judged whether or not you were saved. This is where... Believers going are going to appear where our works will be judged. The motives, the intents. Was it for Christ? Was it really sincerely for the Lord? All right, past the time of your sojourning, it, we're sojourners, that's someone who's passing through. The world thinks this is it. That's why the world wants to build their kingdoms here. Everything. King, literal kingdoms where a king rules over them or communism rules over, and they want to spread their kingdom, or Islam wants to, to take over the world. That's part of their 
push. That's part of their hope. That's part of everything they believe. That's why they blow up kids and buildings and pizza parlors and everything else. They want to dominate this planet, this world. But ours is not. Ours is one that's coming. The Lord's going to bring. And I don't have to produce it. I just have to keep my eyes on the Lord. Past this time of our sojourning here, He says, with fear. And that's a reverent fear. Okay? Past the time of our sojourning here with fear. And I like what the author uh, said in this book. He says, it's not the fear of evil consequences itself, but the fear of grieving the Father. And I would agree with that. I know that there are, there are consequences to our sin. And certainly that motivates us to a, a great deal. But the closer we get to the Lord and the longer we walk with the Lord and the more we love Jesus, it's going to get more and more to where I don't, I want to do this, but I'm not going to do it. My flesh wants to do it, but I'm not going to do it because it's going to grieve my Father's heart. I love Him. You understand what I'm saying? I love Him. And so there's a fear uh, of not wanting to hurt the Lord, disappoint the Lord. I don't want to sever my intimacy with the Lord. I don't want to break that intimacy in that relationship. I don't want to miss out on a benefit that my Father has for me. All right, parents in here, if you told your children to do something and they flat out disobeyed, there are going to be consequences for it. And they are going to miss out on a blessing that otherwise would have been theirs, that you would have given them, gladly given them. Well, I think the same with the Lord. It doesn't mean we're lost. We're, we're saved, we're saved. But if I disobey the Lord and I'm conscious of this, I don't want to grieve the Lord, but I don't want to miss out on something, some blessing. Maybe it's a greater prayer life. Maybe it's a, a peace that He's going to give me in my heart. I don't know. It's something that would, would otherwise have been mine if I had just obeyed the Lord. The closer we get to God, y'all, you're going to start seeing this more and more in your own life, that you're starting to do things more and more for the Lord and for the right reasons for the Lord. That's going to get like a, a more acute. You're going to be more sensitive to those things of the Lord. I remember us, I think it was Spurgeon saying he didn't want a shadow to come between him and the Lord. Had nothing to do with salvation. Had nothing to do with being robed in the righteousness of Christ. Had to do with the relationship. I don't want to disobey the Lord and get worldly or whatever it may be and have some kind of darkness, some kind of shadow that would hinder or break, even to the least little bit, that intimacy, that communion I have with God. And I don't want to grieve His heart. We have many times grieved His heart. I know I have. And I've asked the Lord to forgive me. And He always does. But basically, it's like a tender or a soft conscience that, that wants to do what's right. So yes, there's a fear. It's all through the Bible. But we pass our time with fear. But that fear kind of births uh, a pure conscience and a tender conscience that's sensitive. I don't want to grieve my Father. I want to please Him. Jesus said, I do always those things that please Him. And please my Father. And I just want to close with that. So D, you can come on up. Y'all, the appeal, and let's just begin to pray, but the appeal is a call to holiness. God would not call you and I to do it if it were impossible. Apart from the Lord, it's impossible. But we're not, if we're born again, we're not apart from the Lord. 
He is working in us mightily. He's not just an innocent bystander either. The Lord is working mightily in our lives. And we wanted to, and I think we can hasten it and speed it up in our own lives to the extent that we yield to Him. So you might, you might not have anything in your life. You might have sat here all night tonight and you can't think of one thing where you're disobedient to the Lord or where God's working in your life. And I would say hallelujah. He might show you something tomorrow. Okay? Just stay in prayer with the Lord like that. He's, if He shows you, He's going to help you. It's a good thing. Alright? And maybe tonight, as soon as I started, you know, open the Word and begin to read, you thought of five things, you know, that, that in your life that God's dealing with you about. Just yield them to the Lord tonight. Surrender them to the Lord tonight. If you feel the need that we need to go talk to somebody about it, then do that. But otherwise, just talk to the Lord. Let's take, just take a few moments and tonight before we go and spend this time with the Lord. Amen. We find you a place to meet with the Lord and let God take this word and sow it to your heart.